The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for drawing us together unto yourself. Today we, we ask in every life present in this place that you do that which eyes have not seen, do that which ears have not heard. Change our lives, Father. Let the name of Jesus be glorified. Honor and glory be given unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Okay. Good morning again, everybody. We, we are in part six of our series, Me or Jesus. And, and we said that question, me or Jesus, is one question every Christian must wrestle with. It's one question every Christian must wrestle with. And today, we are looking at the sixth and the seventh struggle. So today is a combo service, if you will. We are having two in one. We are looking at the sixth and seventh struggle. Our text is from Exodus. Exodus 20. Now we are in verses 13 and 14. Exodus 20, verses 13 and 14. The word of God says, You must not murder. You must not murder. And verse 14 says, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. Now there's this story of two friends, two best friends, Tommy and Sammy. Tommy had his birthday coming up in, on, on a Friday and, and said to, to his father and his parents that, oh, I, would, I, would, I don't want to invite a crowd. I just want to celebrate my birthday with you, mom, my sister, you know, and my best friend, Sammy. And, and the parent says, oh, fine. So what will you be doing, Sammy? So we'll go fishing and I want him to sleep over. We'll play games till the morning and all that, and that's how I want to celebrate my, my birthday. So they give him a go-ahead. He got to school. He said to um, Sammy, he said to Sammy, um, oh, it's my birthday on Friday, and he told him the plan, and Sammy was excited, you know, because they were best friends, and Sammy was looking forward to that day, the Friday. So on, 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 on Tuesday, Sammy was in school, and and they had a mutual friend called Billy. So Billy said to Sammy, it's my birthday on Friday. Guess what? I'm inviting people from school. The girls are going to be there. Then we are going to go camping. You know, our sleepover is going to be in camps. It's going to be awesome. You know, and there's going to be a lot of activities. I mean, they were teenagers, so you know what's happening to Sammy immediately is conflicted. So Sammy goes to Tommy. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who's baby it is. Tommy. I said to Tommy, I said to Tommy that, Tommy, you know what? 
it's, it's, it's also Billy's birthday on Friday, and, and I want to be at Billy's birthday. And Tommy says, but it's my birthday, and I'm your best friend. And, and, and Sammy says, but, you know, the girls are going to be at, at, at Billy's birthday, and, and there's going to be a lot of fun at Billy's birthday. Can we move your birthday to next week? You know? And, and Sammy um, and Tommy didn't say anything. It was sad. He went home. He was crying, you know, and he was inconsolable. And the parents were trying to console him that it's okay, it's part of life, you know. You know, people renounce on their promises and all that stuff. And, 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 and Tommy was crying and crying and crying. I was angry at, at, at Sammy and, and was saying, oh, I, I hate Sammy. I hate Sammy. He's not my friend anymore. In fact, I don't want to see him again. I don't want to go to that school again. You see, at that point, at that point, as legitimate as Tommy's pain was, at that point, Tommy was at risk of committing murder. You said, Pastor, murder? Exactly. Tommy was at risk. If you look at what Jesus says in, in Matthew 5 from verse 21, Jesus says, I, you heard that our ancestors told us you must not commit murder. Now, if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. He says, but I say, everybody say, but I say. You see, every time you see Jesus say, you, it is written this, but this is what I say. He's saying, I am about to take you deeper in God. Things are going to get interesting. He says, but I say, if you are even angry, everybody say angry. Angry. Just angry. You are angry at someone. Danger sign. Subject to judgment, Jesus says. If you call someone an idiot, the root word there is raka, and it means useless. It says, <laughs> you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, if you say you fool, if you curse someone, it says you are in danger of hellfire. So you will see that Tommy is actually treading on an interesting path, even though he was legitimately hurt. Many of us think it's enough that we are in the right. So we have a right to hate the person. No, it is not enough. God is saying to you and I, murder is a spectrum. It's a spectrum of death, if you will. It starts with anger. Then it goes to the abusive words like, like Tommy was, was saying in his closet concerning Sammy. Then, he, then he, it, it goes with hatred. Then after that, murder can actually happen. But you see, sometimes murder doesn't need to physically happen. You know, we know what they call the look of death. Have you experienced the look of death? Most husbands have experienced the look of death. Because most wives are experts. I'm not saying all, I said most. So you may just be the one that is a saint. And giving the look of death. 
and his mother. That's what Jesus says. You know, so when folks say, oh, the Ten Commandments is in the Old Testament, it's not relevant to us, Jesus says, I'm even going to make it more interesting. <laughs> you think it's irrelevant? No, 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 no. It's so relevant that even if in your heart you will be held accountable, and that is big. And with mother, we have different things that can even happen. Abortion, euthanasia, you have suicide, you have recklessness. We're going we're gonna to look at all that. But Jesus is saying, mother is a big deal. Why? Oh, this person um, um, is trying to take my husband. I hate her. Jesus is saying, don't go on that lane. Don't go on that lane at all. Oh, this person has done something hurtful to me. I hate him. Jesus is saying, don't go on that lane. You put yourself on the spectrum of death if you do that. And murder is a big deal with God. And the, the, the best way I, I think I can explain this, how, why mother is a big deal with God, is, is, is that, you know, I carry um, the picture of my wife in my wallet. It's in my wallet. I, I carry it in my wallet. I, I change the different ones, I mean, time and again, you know. So maybe I, I'm going through a, a tough time at work, you know. I, I need inspiration. What do I do? Once I just look at that picture, I'm fired up. Praise the name of God, you know. But assuming that picture slips out of my wallet and, and I misplaced that picture and someone sees the picture and picks the picture up. Now, apart from the person saying, oh, you mean they make them this beautiful? Apart from the person saying, oh, Burilo, fine, bye. That means it's a woman that is this beautiful. Apart from the person saying, this is the most beautiful woman I've seen on earth. Apart from the person saying all that, the question is this. As the person is, on the, is on, at the bus stop, waiting for the bus going to Oshodi. And at that time, the person hears, Oshodi, Oshodi, Oshodi. What happens? He throws the picture away and enters the box. The picture means nothing to him. Praise the name of God. Now, assuming I now find that same picture, what's going to happen? I'll be so happy. I will take it. I will clean it. You know, and, you know, I'll put it in in my wallet and, you know, What's the difference between me and the guy? What's the difference? The difference is the image of the person in the picture. The image of the person in the picture means nothing to him. The image of the person in the picture means everything to me. Praise the name of the Lord. Man was made in the image of God. So, When God sees us, he sees his image. When we commit murder, what happens? When we have hatred, what happens? When when we use abusive words, what happens? 
When we say you are useless, what exactly are we calling useless? When we say raka, what exactly are we calling raka? When we say idiot, who exactly are we calling an idiot? And if, if you were here yesterday, I said all the men should go home and do what? Uh, praise the name of the Lord. You see, the, 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 the truth is this. God gave life to trees, to snails, to dogs, to lions, and gave life to humans. But none of those living things are in the image of God. It is only man that is in the image of God. And we should be able to separate the two. Sometimes we, we don't. You know, we, we told the story of the gorilla, you know, must have, the gorilla that was shot at the zoo in, in the U.S. And there was so much rancor. The mother of the child was receiving death threats. Why? By, by animal rights activists. Why? Because the life of the gorilla and the life of the four-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old, four-year-old boy that is in the image of God, they don't see the difference. They don't see the difference. They say, why should you kill the gorilla? To save the boy. But when we don't place the value God places on human beings, we actually treat human beings like animals. And we now treat animals like human beings. And it's big with God. It's big. When we treat animals like humans, and humans, like animals. So I, I, I say to people, I say to you, you are not an advanced gorilla. Science says to us that we are advanced gorillas. You are not a developed chimpanzee. Science says to us that you developed from chimpanzee. But that is not true. You are a child of God made in the image of the living God. Praise the name of the Lord. And the, the, the debate of, of, of the folks that are pushing the euthanasia agenda is simple. The, the, the debate is this. I love my dog. My dog is in pain. And because I love my dog, I don't want to see my dog in pain. I take my dog to the vet and the vet put the dog to, to sleep. And they say the same thing. I love my husband. I love my mother. I love my grandmother. And because they are in so much pain, we should be able to put them to sleep. Kill them, in other words. But you see, God has not given you the power to take any man's life. The moment we don't see the difference between the life of a dog and the life of, of your grandmother, there's a big problem. There's a big problem with that. You know, in marriage, you said, what God has joined together, let no man what? Separate. Let no man put asunder. In these issues, the truth is that what God has separated, there's a huge gap between the human life and the animal life. No matter how much you like your dog, your dog is not a human being. He's not. We have people, and, and this is so, so, I mean, sometimes, sadly, 
not so much in this culture, but you know, it's, it's very entrenched in the, in, the, um, in the Western culture. We have people that the, the dogs will be eating delicacies, I mean, like three-course meals, and their next-door neighbors are dying of food. But they love their dog more than they love their neighbors. I know there's a lot of debate on euthanasia. Okay, some people are really suffering. Should they, I mean, put them to sleep? I know, I know. In fact, I, I mean, as a pastor, I've had to make those kind of tough decisions, you know. I mean, we have people going through all sorts of things, you know. But, you see, but, but the truth is that there's a huge difference between sustaining a life that God has taken and taking a life that God is sustaining. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference in when you're trying to sustain a life that God has taken. If God wants to take the person, fine. But not taking the life that God is sustaining. The fact that the person is feeling pain is proof that that life is being sustained. Why? Because pain just shows that your body is still fighting and that something is wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. And the issues goes on, you know, into, I mean, when you talk about death, then you're talking about issues of abortion, you know. The unborn child is created in the image of God. I know when we talk about abortion, I know many people are cringing right now, you know, because you've made bad choices. Many people have committed abortion. I won't tell you to raise your hands. Many people have sponsored abortions. I won't tell you to raise your hands. But you see, you, we, we've made bad choices when we take the life of the unborn. And that's, that's the truth. It's a poor choice. And I'm praying that beginning from today, you will make better choices in the name of Jesus. It's a really poor choice because if you look at people that would have been aborted, I mean, it, it is staggering. It's staggering. I was saying, Cristiano Ronaldo... You know, most likely going to win the world best player for this year. I know Messi fans are not happy. The guy earns over 250,000 pounds a week. Did I say a month? I mean, I will be happy with that a month. <laughs> I'm not greedy. <laughs> A week. Guess what? His mom was going to abort him. She was going to abort him. She was so bent of aborting him. It was the doctors that stopped her. The doctor said, no, you are not aborting this baby. Now, today, the mother is a celebrity. And I, and I say that he should be paying royalty to the doctor, shouldn't he? You should go and look for that doctor and be giving him some shishi. If you look at Celine Dion, Celine Dion was going to be aborted. Amazing talent. She was going to be aborted. She would have been flushed down the drain. Guess what? Pope John Paul II was going to be aborted. In fact, in this case, it was the doctors that said to the mother, you stand no chance of having this baby. 
let's get rid of this baby. And the mother said, I would rather trust God. And guess what? At least the Catholic Church is happy that Pope John Paul was not. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Then you have people like Justin Bieber. <laughs> if you were yesterday, you know why I'm pausing. You know, I said Justin Bieber, and I had a huge roar from the teenagers correcting me. Now, it's not Justin Bieber, it's Justin Bieber. Okay. B-I-B-I-R. Pronounce it as you want. He would have been aborted. His mother was 17. President of the Lord. He would have been aborted. Guess what? Steve Jobs would have been aborted. The family members pressured the mother. She was a young girl and she said no. She would beg to feed this child and she did. If Steve Jobs was outvoted, I won't have this in my hands today. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> I won't. Many of you will have phones to use, at least not an iPhone. So, an unborn child, people say, oh, an unborn child is, is a potential life. An unborn child is not just a potential life. An unborn child is a life full of potential. Full of potential. Full of potential. When we remove that child, we remove God's image. And it's big. It's big. And it speaks. It speaks. I don't even want to get into all that. Because that's, that's an entire suicide. It's murder. You know, I know many of us, you know, some, not many, have been to a place where they, they just feel their lives is irrelevant. If you were here yesterday, I mean, well, the lady that ministered shared a bit of her testimony of how she would have committed suicide as she was living on the streets because of her faith in Jesus. Amazing. Praise the name of the Lord. Suicide is murder. And you see, you, you may be here thinking, oh, the life, what's the purpose of this life? This life is, oh, I'm useless. What's my value? God has asked me to tell you that you are needed here. Praise the name of the Lord. You are needed here, right here, not anywhere else, right here. Say, but pastor, I'm needed here. Why am I in so much darkness? Guess what? God will stand with you in your darkness. And the darkness will become light in the name of Jesus. And there's this thing in everyone, that even that is contemplating suicide. There's this hope in everyone, even that is contemplating suicide. There's this thing in everyone that even as is almost giving up, that things could be better. You know, I gave the story of a man that came to my office years ago, years ago, and, and he was like, oh, I'm about to commit suicide. I've just come to meet you to tell you so that maybe you offer my last prayers and I will go and commit suicide. So I wanted to show him that without minimizing his pain, 
that there's something in him that believes that tomorrow will be all right. And he says there's nothing. And I said to him, where do you live? He told me. I said, you drove all the way. Why didn't you drive into the lagoon? You avoided Okada. You avoided all the trainers that would have taken you one time. You parked your car JJ, in the church. Why don't you run on the express road and stand in front of a moving trailer? Then you are sitting in front of me and you are telling me, Pastor, I want to kill myself. I want to kill myself. I said, oh, God, you don't want to kill yourself. <laughs> you want me to show you a reason for living. And I will show you a reason for living. Fast forward till today. The guy is doing so well. Praise the name of the Lord. His night has been turned into day. So the question is, what if he had taken his life? He didn't see a way forward. You may be here. You, it may be as if you can't see a way forward. Listen. God has already made a way for you, even though you can't see. Reckless living is a form of murder. Recklessness is a form of murder. How is that, pastor? It's simple. The question is, are you slowly killing yourself? Some of us, we won't kill ourselves with a gun, but we are slowly killing ourselves. We don't sleep well. We have an erratic sleeping pattern. It kills the human cells, when they are not properly rested. Some people think it's, it's fashionable not to sleep. They say, oh, I really cannot sleep. Look, you are saying, I, I, I really am killing myself. An addiction kills. Anything you're addicted to kills. Even when you're addicted to work, it can kill you. Improper use of food and drink. Lack of exercise. Some people cannot exercise for nothing. They say, okay, let's exercise. 30 minutes, you know. After a while, I say, oh, don't make me kill Jesus. <laughs> After all, you know, our, our great-grandfathers, they didn't do all these things. And, and they lived long. Guess what? They were walking to the farm, carrying bags. Silly. Those people were exercising more than we are. But you are killing yourself. You know, I remember, I mean, a friend of mine, I mean, used to be a friend of mine. When I was in Unilag, the first cigarette I smoked, he gave me the cigarettes. This guy was the guy, you know. I mean, I just, we just like hanging around him. There was no door. This guy can make, go into the graveyard and everybody in the grave will begin to dance. <laughs> so when I got saved, of course, one of the first things I did, I went straight to my friends. So I really do understand people that are saved. They can't talk to their friends about Jesus. Something is wrong with that. Anyway, that's not where we're going. I went straight to him and I said to him, listen, you need to be born again. And I was telling him my experience with God, you know, and he, and he was looking at me and he was shaking his head and he was smoking his cigarette, you know. And I said to him, I said to him, this thing is killing you little by little. You are dying gradually. You know what he said to me? The FMO, do you want to die suddenly? <laughs> he said, do you want to die suddenly? 
you know, I was like, okay. I didn't think of that. He was like, <laughs> was like, well, make I die, make I die gradually. <laughs> I was speechless. <laughs> so, so I left him. He <laughs> was like that. It was a natural. But unfortunately, you know, he has this convertible Benz in school. He was standing in front of his convertible Benz, waiting for a baby, Morimi Hall, and he slumped and died. Too much smoke. It was painful for all of us. But you see, many times we trivialize things that determines our destiny. Are you killing yourself slowly? That's the question. And the spectrum of death runs all the way from anger to abusive speech to hatred to murder and and it destroys our, our peace. It takes away our peace. Abusive speech is, 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 is demeaning to the image of God. And if you are wondering what I said to the husband to do at the first worship experience yesterday, was I said the husband should, if you are here, you are, you're a husband, you are married, I think every man should do it. When you get home, go on your knees and ask for forgiveness from your wife. The pastor, why are you saying every man should do it? It's simple. If you are here, you're a man. I said, and, and I said to them yesterday, I need to do it myself. And I did it yesterday night. No. Early hours of this morning. <laughs> you know, as in when I had finished praying, I prayed like into early hours of this morning. You know, before I slept, I did it. So, uh-huh. so that's what I thought was yesterday night. You know, so anyway. Why? Why do you say every man? Any man that has not used demeaning when you are angry, you've not, you've not verbally, you know what I'm saying, I don't even want to say it. Put up your hand. You've not, you've not charged at your wife. You're not married. Are you married? <laughs> ah, we have a saint. Praise God. How many other saints are there? Two saints. Wow. Sometimes women, we have amnesia. I'm not saying that's the case, but let's ask the wives. Oh, did I see another hand there? Did they? <laughs> his, his hands are like this. <laughs> you know, the truth is that, you know, we've, we've verbally abused our spouses. I want to challenge you today, when you get home, go on your knees and ask for forgiveness. Do I get an amen? amen? It takes away the peace. It takes away the peace. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in what? In peace with everyone. It's a battle with peace. First Peter 3, 10 and 11, it says, for the scriptures say, if you enjoy if you want to enjoy life 
and see many happy days. 11 says, search for peace. And when you search for peace, what should you do? Work to maintain it. So that is our battle, our struggle with peace. Now let's, let's transition to our struggle with purity. You must not commit adultery. Remember the story of Tommy, Sammy, and Billy. So Tommy was angry. He felt hurt by Billy's actions. And got to school on Wednesday. He wouldn't even say hi to Billy. To what? Sammy. How you guys know the story more than me? Well, I'm the one that I fabricated the story. <laughs> you know? He wouldn't even say hi to, to Sammy. And so Sammy was bothered. So on, on Wednesday night, Sammy went to his dad. And Sammy said to his dad, Sammy said, Dad, I have a problem. And the dad says, what is it, son? And, and he says, oh, my friend, my best friend, um, Tommy, will not talk to me. He will not play with me. He will not have anything to do with me. And, and the dad says, oh, I like that boy. He's a good boy. What did he do? What happened? And, and um, Sammy told the dad what had happened. And he said to the dad, well, it's not my fault. I mean, what does he expect me to do? Leave the happening place to go fishing? And the dad said, son, you have a big decision in your hands. And he told him a story how at his office that he has friends that are colleagues that are beautiful and they are fun to be with. And he said to his son, Sammy, he said, Sammy, what, what if I come home with one of my female f- colleagues and I say, I want to marry her. I don't want to marry your mom anymore. Because she's fun to be with. What do you think about that idea? And, and, and Sammy said, no, dad, you can't do that. You can't do that, dad. You made a promise to mom. You made a promise to mom that you will love her in sickness and in health till death do you pass. I watched the video of your wedding. You promised mom. You can't do that. You can't change your word. And the dad said, exactly, Sammy. You gave your word. You shouldn't change your word. So Sammy got the message. Went back to school on Thursday and said to Tommy, I'm sorry. And Tommy also said, I'm sorry. I called you names. I was angry at you. And they made peace. And 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 the party was awesome. I mean, Sammy couldn't have even imagined missing Tommy's party was like, what came over me? And he got back home and he said to his dad, you know, thank you for the advice. I mean, Sammy's, Tommy's 
I mean, um, Batty was so awesome. In fact, I couldn't have missed it for anything in the world. And the father said to him, which is a lesson for us. And the father said, the battle with purity is actually a battle with decision making. If you can keep your word in the little promises, you will be able to keep your word in the big promises. If you cannot keep your word in the little promises, I will see you tomorrow by 10. I will bring groceries home. Oh, not that I forgot, but you know, I'm, I was too busy. If you can't keep your promise in the little things, you will struggle to keep your promise in the big things. And guess what? Purity is about keeping your promise to God and keeping your promise to, spouse if you're, to your spouse if you're married. If you are unmarried, it's keeping your promise to God. Why? Because when you got born again, you entered a covenant with God to follow Jesus. So to live a life of purity, a struggle with purity is a struggle with promise keeping. It's a struggle with promise keeping. When we learn to keep our promises, no matter how little they are, no matter how you think, you know, sometimes we think that, okay, big deal. I can't make it, I can't make it. You know, what's the big deal about that? I mean, Sammy and Tommy, just postpone your, your birthday party. If you can't postpone it, well, too bad. And sometimes we, we feel... It's not a big deal. But you see, if you can't keep little promises, how can you keep big promises? If you are dating a guy and a guy cannot keep little promises, don't even try it. Don't even try it. If you are dating a lady and she cannot keep little promises, don't even try it. Because she's going to struggle with the big one. And, our, and purity and our sexuality is one of our deepest struggles. And one reason why, even for the married people, you know, you know I remember years ago, you know, I was teaching and, uh, like this and I, and I said that, you know, when you get married, it doesn't solve sexual temptation. And, and uh, one of my daughters came to me and said, you've just paused my day. And I was like, what do you mean? And, and she said, I, I was always looking forward to the day I will be married so that all these temptations can end. And I said, well, I don't mean to spoil your day. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> marriage doesn't end sexual temptation. Married people can tell you that. Married people, isn't that true? Absolutely. Can it help? Yes, it can help. But it doesn't end. If you don't get the priorities right, it, it, it doesn't end. For instance, if you use your sexuality primarily, primarily as a means of finding release and satisfaction, rather than as a means of expressing love, you will fall into a deep struggle. In, in other words, if you use your sexuality primarily, primarily as a as a means of just finding release and satisfaction. If that is your main use of your sexuality, you're going to struggle. 
No struggle. Because guess what? You will enter seasons that is either you are not always with your spouse or your spouse is not healthy or fit or your spouse is not just interested or, I mean, you enter different seasons in marriage. But if that is your primary means of finding release, you're going to struggle. So what should be the primary means of your sexuality? It's simple. Our primary means of our sexuality is for what? It's for expressing love. It's for expressing love. You know? Someone says, oh, pastor, you know, <laughs> is, is masturbation wrong? Show me in the Bible, thou shalt not masturbate. You know, I, I, I say that, you know, the truth is, God designed our sexuality so that we find fulfillment in another man's or another woman's hands, another person's hands in a marriage. But what masturbation does is it lures us to find fulfillment literally in our own hands. So you know what that means? That means that you don't need the other person like that. Meanwhile, God designed it so that you will need the other person. So that if there's, a, if there's um, an issue between you, you will resolve it. But what masturbation does is, I can do me good by myself. That's what it does. So sexual intimacy should, should be a reward for the pursuit of a person not the pursuit of a passion. It should be a, a reward for the pursuit of a person. And I like the way the um, Church of England, um, uh, they have their wedding liturgy. And this is what they, 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 you know, they read their prayers and all that stuff. You know, after they've just joined a couple, they, they read this, this part of what they read. They said, in their prayer, they said to God, strengthen the union of their hearts by the union of their bodies. I mean, that's so instructive. Strengthen the union of their hearts by what? The union of their bodies. In other words, the union of their hearts happens first, should happen first. Then, once the union of the heart happens, then you take her to the altar and they join you in the sight of God. Then, the union of the body can happen. And the union of the body should strengthen the union of the heart. But the world turns it upside down. The world says, let's join our bodies. Then we will see if we are compatible. If we can have a union of heart. Let's join our bodies so that I will know. I mean, and this is so ingrained because someone said, someone said to me, Sincerely, she said, a lady, this pastor, but she just got born again, so, you know, just got to following Jesus. Says, but pastor, how will I know that he can, uh, if I don't, uh, <laughs> so, 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 pastor, you are, you are telling me to, to take a big risk here. Because that part of my life, she said to me, that part of my life is very important to me. I am 
following Jesus now, yes. And I'm not following that passion, yes. But when I find a person, how would I know that... Uh, You know, God is wiser than you. If you don't know that God is wiser than you, you will struggle with those kind of decisions. So I said to her, God is wiser than you. Do you believe that God is wiser? Yes, God is wiser than you. So God knows already and he has already gone ahead of you and he will make provision for you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It is when we can't trust God that we want to do things the world's way. We want to sample this person. Then we sample that person. Then we sample. Then you become fragmented. You really cannot have a union of heart with anybody. You're fragmented. Because when you are with A, there's a part of B deposited in you. And Jesus takes it to another level in Matthew 5. That's same Matthew 5. I believe it's the, it's the believer's manual. Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28. Jesus says that you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. He says, but I say to you. Again, when you see, when Jesus says this is the, what the commandment says, but I say. What does that mean? Fasting your seatbelt. I'm going to take you deeper. But I say to you, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery. You are still wondering about, you know, whether if I commit... Jesus says, you don't even wonder. When you think about it, done. So, you could see that Jesus' standards are even higher. So, all these people that are saying, oh, Ten Commandments is in the Old Testament. You are not supposed to follow the Old Testament. You can live anyhow. Sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. You are under grace. It's a lie. They are not reading their Bibles. Who said this? Who said this? Himself. Himself. If you have a red letter Bible, it's in red. He said it himself. He said it himself. So, the, the, the grace that doesn't make you more like God is counterfeit. When you have grace that doesn't make you more like God, that grace is fake. When you have grace that makes you live in sin, that grace is questionable. And Jesus is saying, the level is that you, the level I want you to be is not just even wondering if you are going to, you know, sleep with a person. The, the level I want you to be is that your mind will be sanctified. That's what Jesus was saying. So you can be with the opposite sex and your mind is sanctified. That's the work of grace. That is the work of grace. Do you know that there's no man that can achieve that by his strength? That is the work of grace. Jesus is saying, you need me to do this. That's what it means. That's what it means. You know, so the man said to me, Pastor, tell me, man to man, is this impossible? Is it possible that a man, 
Uh, uh, Pastor, is it possible? You see, the truth is that if you keep questioning whether it's possible, you will not attain it. How come when God says you will lend to nations, you will not borrow? When God says by the wounds of Jesus, you are healed. When God says that he will banish poverty for more generations, how come you don't say, is it possible? Why don't you say that? Why don't you say, oh, I can't really receive that. I, this poverty is a good thing. Why don't you say that? And it's the same thing. You hear the word, you believe the word before you see the manifestation. That is how it happens. You hear the word. To get saved, the same thing. You hear it, you must believe it before you get saved. With the heart man believes unto salvation before there's a confession with the mouth. Heart to righteousness before there's a confession with the mouth unto salvation. That's how it works. Praise the name of the Lord. And, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4.4 says to us, 1 Thessalonians 4.4, it says that each of you should learn. Everyone say learn. Each of you should learn how to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Controlling of your body doesn't happen by chance. You have to control your body yourself. Yourself. And learn it. And guess what? God is here to help you and I'll show you. And we need to see that God's commands, you know, are also his promises. God's commands are also his promises. You know, his, his commands, and that's the beauty, are also his promises. A man that has had the adultery thing happen to him, goes to his wife, repented, said he's sorry. Of course, if you, if you I mean, if you've seen any of such, it's really a tough time for any couple to go through a season when one person has been unfaithful. But in this case, it was the man. And the woman said, okay, I'm forgiving. I forgive you. But you see, you know what? Let me just go stay with my mom for three days. <laughs> so that I don't wake up in the night and stab you. Because of how I'm feeling. But I forgive you. We'll work it out. But I need some fresh hair. So she goes off for three days. And the man by himself comes to church. I mean, not here, but went to church. And, you know, he wanted to pray and, you know, ask God to help him. Is, is it possible? Can I even live without all these girls that are disturbing me? I need your help. I want to get it straight with my wife. And he entered the church and he saw, thou shalt not commit adultery. Guess what went through his mind? Oh, no. God, I don't really need this right now. <laughs> you know, and and on, and on, and on, and on. But he sat down there, and the more he looked at it, the more he experienced worship, the more he saw, thou shalt not commit adultery. It must be the Holy Spirit saying to him, I will empower you, and you will not commit adultery. So the commandment became a promise. So you will not steal, is God saying. 
by my power, you will not steal. You will not commit murder. Is God saying, by my power, you will not what? Commit murder. And that is big. And that is big. And of course, he got his freedom and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> so in, in the summary, in closing, you need to do two things. To overcome the power of temptation, you need to do two things. And you see, listen, these two things, of course, are from the word of God. And these two things are by the grace of God, what I do. And one of the things I do is not there are other things, but these two things are big that you need to do. The first is cultivate your love for Christ. The second is act in the power of the Holy Spirit. You cultivate your love for Jesus. That's why we are big on worship. Worship cultivates our worship, our heart, our, war, our love for God. Worship expresses our love for God. And it grows and grows and grows. So the first step in overcoming the power of sexual temptation is to what? Cultivate your love for Jesus. Cultivate your love for Jesus. Why? Because a new love can be stronger than an old habit. A new love can be stronger than an old habit. If you, had a, if you have an old habit that is, you know, if you fall in love with something new, you can conquer an old habit. If you fall in love again and again with Jesus, you will discover that the old habit will break away from you. If you consider the story of Joseph, Joseph was sold by his own brother into slavery. He was eventually bought by Potiphar, an Egyptian soldier, high-ranking official. And Potiphar promoted Joseph. Joseph became a business manager, if you will. He was managing all his affairs from a houseboy. Then Potiphar's wife began to try to seduce Joseph. Come lie with me. Come lie with me. This guy has gone again. Come lie with me. Come lie with me. And Joseph would not. And it's, it's interesting what Joseph said in Genesis 39 verse 9. Joseph said, how then could I do such a what? You, you would think, you would say, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my boss that has been so good to me? He didn't say that. He could say, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against you and take advantage of you? You are so vulnerable. Your husband is not around for most of the time. Why should I, I mean, just take advantage of you? He didn't say that. He said, how could I do a wicked thing and sin against who? God. So, it was Joseph's love for God that made Joseph strong. Your love for Jesus will make you strong against temptation. It is Joseph's love. Another man said to me, you know, I mean, folks talk to me 
by God's grace, as they are, because they know I won't judge them. They know I will first laugh. In fact, some of them start by saying, Pastor, don't laugh. <laughs> because they know my first response is to laugh. You know? I will just laugh. So another man said to me, are you telling me now that if I do this thing, he, want, he wanted to go and sleep with someone that is not his wife. Pastor, are you saying if I go and do this thing, because he knows I won't tell his wife, that's why he's telling me. Are you telling me now that if I do this thing, that God will not forgive me? Is that what you are telling me? That, that this thing now is so big that God cannot forgive? You know, and, and I said to him that when you think like that, you are thinking legalistically. You are thinking according to the law. And in fact, that's what God has a problem with. You know what the children of Israel used to do? They will, they will want to commit adultery. They will go and buy their cow, or the, sorry, their goat. They will buy their goat. They will drag their goats to the house of the uh, mistress. They will tie the goats outside. They will go inside and commit adultery. Then they will come out and give God the goat. They will take. They will slaughter the goat. Since you are hungry, you can have it. And, and God said, it, 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 the cattle on a thousand ill. They are mine. If I were hungry, I would not have even told you. He says, I, I, I am, I am, I am, I am loathing your sacrifices. It's becoming disgusting to me. So I said to him, what we have in the New Testament is not a religion, it's a relationship. I was a relationship. It's a relationship, and the relationship is built on the interest of the other. That's what the relationship is built on. If you have a, a relationship that is only one person that is interested in the other person's interest, and the other person is selfish, it won't last. You cannot satisfy your spouse if you are thinking about yourself. You satisfy your spouse by thinking about the person. And they satisfy you by not thinking about themselves, but by thinking about you. That is how it works. So I said to him, the, the, the issue right now is, the question you should be asking me is, how will God feel if I do this? It's a relationship. So how will he feel if I do it? Ah, I say God will feel bad. I say, you are getting it. God will feel bad. Now, the next question is, is that important to you? Is that important to you? How, the, if, if, you, if you say, oh, my wife will feel bad if I do this, and you go ahead and do it, it means she's not important to you. If you say, my husband will feel bad if I do it, and you go ahead and do it, it means it's not important to you. If you say, God will feel bad. So the question is, is, is that important to you? Then he began, oh, he got it. Oh, that is important to me. Then guess what happens? The temptation will lose its power. Why? Why? Because the strength of your love for Christ will give you victory over sexual temptation. It's the strength of your love for Christ. So, haven't demonstrated and displayed the strength, the second thing you need to do is act. Take action. Act. 
in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your strength, not in your flesh. Act in the power of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to sexual temptation, God doesn't tell us to pray. When it comes to sexual temptation, God says, flee, run, run, run. You pull your ears and you run. I don't know why they say that. <laughs> and you run. None of us will, will, will say, maybe you are eating. You, you've, you've just come back from work. You've not, maybe you've been fasting all day. Then, then you, you have pounded yam and a goose soup. I don't know what is, I don't know what, maybe whatever it's a delicacy for you. And you have it and you have washed your hand. You know, and you have rolled up your sleeves and, and you have, you, as you want to dive into the thing, you see these fat flies, you know, they are slow but fat and ugly, you know, they call them what? What? Housefly? No, there's a name we, we call them. Untas fly, literally in Yoruba. I just, I just interpreted it. That's what they call it. Now, what would you do? Would you say, oh, let's join the hands and pray so that this fly will go? Would you turn it into a prayer meeting? What would you do? You will close the foot and kill the thing. Then you probably take your foot somewhere else so that you are not disgusted and you will continue to, to eat. So why are you praying when you should be running? Why are you praying when you should be taking action? And if you're a child of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is on your inside. A man said, true life story, a man said, oh, if it is God's will for me not to sleep with this girl, who is not his wife, Lord, when I get there, let my something not perform. That is when I will know it is your will. I kid you not. True life story. That's a foolish prayer. The thing performed. So I don't know why God did not answer my prayer. Foolish prayer. A lady said, true life story, I kid you not. That if it is God's will, that nothing should happen between me and this guy. When he's touching me, let my body not respond. I tell, I, I mean, why? That is so foolish. Let my body not respond. <laughs> But did not be wood. Have you heard that before? <laughs> oh, yes. It's flesh. You don't put yourself in a compromising situation and you are now praying for deliverance. Let me tell you in advance, no deliverance will come. Remember our story of Tommy, Sammy, and Billy? Imagine if after what the father has told Sammy, Sammy goes on his knees and prays, oh God of heaven, let Tommy move his birthday so that I can attend it too. If it's your will, that you really want me to be in Tommy's birthday, let Tommy move his birthday. Is, is that a prayer? It isn't. So you cultivate your love Christ and you act in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I close with a, pro, uh, with a, with a story of a friend. <laughs> Long time ago, says to me, there's this man, says to me, I have this girl, she's my ex. But even though now I'm, I'm with someone else, I was even about to get married at the time. Every time she calls me, says, I must respond. He says, if she says, meet me at, he says, I won't know what comes over me. I will just carry my bag, carry my key and drive there. <laughs> I said, Really? This is a spiritual thing. I will pray. I say it's not prayer. <laughs> it's not prayer. I wanted to break our witchcraft over me. I say I'm sorry. God doesn't answer that kind of prayer. Say, so what do I do? I said you will take your SIM card. You will drive to the third mainland bridge, and you will fling it in the ocean. Says, but but I have business partners that I said you need to choose one. Whether you're going to live or you're going to be under tutelage. So he did what I said, got a new phone, and that was the end of it. She couldn't reach him. He built strength. So eventually when they saw, he had built strength. You cannot be chatting. You're a married man. You're a married woman. You cannot be chatting with another person's husband at 12 midnight. Something is wrong with that. He says, oh, I am counseling. Uh-huh. Counselor. Counselor Mufu. Oh, oh, Pastor, you don't understand. He, he, he needs counsel. He, he needs to know how to handle his wife. How is that your business? How is that your business? Oluwa. <laughs> Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Oh, God about what we have heard. Some of us, we need to take a position of purity. We need to take a position of purity today. We need to talk to God and make our resolve based on our love for Christ. We need to act in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to take action. You may be here, you are saying, Pastor, I'm not even born again. I don't have the power can you pray with me? Oh, I used to be born again. I'm backsliding. Can you pray with me? I want to come back to God. Can I come forward? No. No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. 
That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. God bless you, sir. God bless you over there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister. Over there. God bless you. Over there. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my brother. Right there. Keep the hands up. I, I want to come back to Jesus. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Once you have the card, you can put on your hand. God bless you, my sister. Right in front here. God bless you. That is me. Put up that hand. God bless you over there at the back. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. God bless you over there. That is me. God bless you right here, my brother in front. God bless you. That is me. Put up that hand. That is me. Jesus, I'm releasing my life to you. I'm surrendering my life to you. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. We pray for everyone that is coming to you today. We ask that you cleanse them totally. Receive them. Make their work with you tangible. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Lord, we pray for every one of us in this place, Lord, that we have peace and purity in our lives. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' amazing name, we are prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's put our hands together for the Lord.